the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Antonio Brown needs to grow up. Yep. Here we are, our first show of 2019. The government is still shut down. The FBI, I guess, is still chasing Russians. And we're going to start off with Antonio Brown. Because I have a feeling a lot of, well, most people actually, more people anyway, within the sound of my voice, are talking about Antonio and the Steelers' meltdown than the government shutdown, which has gotten boring and won't be changing anytime soon, uh, at least not until Nancy takes over. So let's wait for that. But Mike Tomlin did held a, uh, hold a press conference today, spent most of his time talking about Brown. And he said he didn't play Brown on Sunday against the Bengals because Brown disappeared after practice on Wednesday and wasn't heard from again until Sunday. Now, there are reports that during that practice on Wednesday, Brown threw a ball at uh, Roethlisberger's feet, Ben Roethlisberger's feet, and made a comment and then walked off. Uh, Nobody with the Steelers is um, confirming that, but the reporter from CBS uh, who reported it, was the first guy to report it, says he's sticking with it. It happened. So anyway, he he was deactivated. Now, Brown hooked up with James Harrison today. Remember him? Yeah, he hooked up with James Harrison today on Instagram and apparently addressed the subject. I don't know if uh, it's possible to see the entire message or if it's out there yet, but there's only I saw like a 10-second message of the two of them looking like idiots getting ready to, to uh, do the report. They look like they're about 14 years old. But anyway, we'll have that brilliance for you later if it does show up. Now, here's a solution for Antonio Brown, and I've been saying it for a few years now. He does need to grow up. He's 31 years old, or about to turn 31. He has the maturity of a 14-year-old. Of course, he also has a contract worth $72 million, so he doesn't see a need to grow up anytime soon. Steelers should trade him as soon as they have a chance, and if they can, minimize the salary cap hit, which I think they can, according to a report from Ed Bouchette, who knows a lot more about, of the Post-Gazette, who knows a lot more about the salary cap than I do. But uh, former Steeler Ryan Clark, who's a really smart guy, by the way, and an analyst on ESPN, saw this coming with Antonio Brown a long time ago. Listen to this. Not surprised that there's beef. Not surprised that there's issues. Antonio has has been a guy who's been a me guy. He's been a guy who is self-centered in a way where he cares about the individual stats, how I'm being treated, how I'm being perceived or portrayed. But the one player you can't have in fighting with is Ben Roethlisberger. There are many players in an organization that Antonio Brown is above. Ben is not one of those people. But for it to get to a point where he's held out of this game, a must win for the Pittsburgh Steelers. When you see him on the sideline in a mink coat before the game, not Pittsburgh Steelers gear, not sideline gear, totally separate from team, that lets you know that this is an issue that's not only about today or yesterday. It's been something that's happening throughout the year and his career quick story antonio brown is walking past the weight weight room in training camp uh-huh. and right now we hear that mike wallace has turned down his deal he's going uh antonio's going into his third year you hear that mike wallace has turned down his deal and i knew already that they were going to offer antonio and he's walking past and i turn to the strength coach and i say when you give him money you're going to create a monster that day in practice antonio and i almost get into a fight because he's saying things to coach lebeau He's screaming at Coach LeBeau, screaming at us defensively. Don't touch me. I'm the franchise, this and that. Because he already had that mindset. And now with success, with money, these things come. And you hear more about him, some things that we don't need to bring up now. But when it comes to just being a good teammate, when it comes to just being supportive, to understanding that you're trying to achieve one goal, that doesn't matter to him. What matters to him is 19 attempts, 14 catches, 185 yards, two touchdowns against the Saints. That's what's important to Antonio Brown. And what was it? Excuse me, Antonio Brown's response to what Clark said? Two words on Instagram: "Uncle Tom." That's a, and that was a reference to Clark. Uh, Brown's response to miss, missing the game and all the the flack after it was to go on Instagram with James Harrison. That should tell you a lot. And 
the solution to the problem, if they don't trade him, of course, is uh, for him to grow up, or at least he should be forced to act like a grown-up. As I said, this is a 31-year-old man. It's a guy who plays hide-and-seek after he scores a touchdown. He's not the only guy who does stuff like that, but that's the mentality now in football. Tomlin needs to put a stop to all of the me, me, me stuff on the Steelers. The players should be made aware of a new policy for next season. Tomlin should tell them that things are going to be a little different, that there's too much talent on the team for it not to be playing in the postseason, which it's not doing now, which it did last year for one game and a game that they lost to a team they shouldn't have lost to. And he should tell them that he wants to see no more celebrations celebrating the individual and no more stupid group celebrations. Now, if the players don't like it or don't go along with it, they need to be benched. Now, this would be a really radical move, and it might be a little too old school for most people, especially the players, and might even be too old school for Tomlin, because this is you're not supposed to believe this about the celebrations. It's you know they're having fun, and then you're an old um, uh, curmudgeon if you if you think that they shouldn't be doing this stuff. But the coach has to take control, and if he doesn't, he should be gone. Which brings up another issue with the Steelers, by the way. Another question. Um, you know, has it become a prisoner of its own philosophy? You know, the one that says you don't change head coaches unless they leave on their own. Later this month, I think it's the 27th of this month, it'll be 50 years ago that Chuck Knoll was hired, and it was 27 years ago that he retired. Knoll probably stayed around too long, two or three years maybe. Bill Cower was hired back then, and Bill Cower got out at just the right time back in 2005. One year removed from winning a Super Bowl, but he retired. He didn't get fired after an 8-8 eight and eight season. Tomlin's had some early success, um, and he's never had a losing season, but he has underachieved in the postseason. There are lots of suggestions out there for what the Steelers should tell Tomlin if he wants to keep his job. You see uh, a lot of it in the media here and on the talk shows. Uh, you know, more discipline. Some of the things I'm saying here, that, that it's the Steelers who should tell him that. Art Rooney should tell him that. If I'm Tomlin, I tell Art Rooney the second to take a hike if he starts telling me who to fire and how to coach. I'd apply for a few of the eight head coaching jobs that are out there right now available and have a choice of which one I wanted within about 20 minutes, which is what would happen with Tomlin if he was out of the job here in Pittsburgh. Tomlin is a good coach. And he's the second best coach in Steelers history, if you ask me. But the fact that he'd have another job in 20 minutes doesn't mean that firing him should be out of the question. Sometimes it's just time. Sometimes it's just time for a coach to go. And there's a chance that that time just might have come for Tomlin. Antonio Brown is going to continue to be a major problem if he doesn't grow up, and if he doesn't do it on his own. Tomlin is going to have to be the one to make him change. If he can't, one or both of them need to go. Bottom line, the only solution is Antonio Brown growing up. And as of a couple of hours ago, no reason to believe there's any chance of that happening. We'll be right back. If your advisor or insurance rep is recommending an annuity, or if you're considering purchasing any retirement product, you should always get a second opinion. Make sure your decision's appropriate and cost-effective for your personal retirement situation. Call the Synergy Group before you move your 401k, IRA, or any other retirement account into an annuity or any financial product. Synergy Group has been helping Pittsburghers with hometown advice and services for 30 years. Don't just make a move. Be sure the annuity you're considering is a good move for you. Get a professional second opinion from Synergy Group, the local retirement professionals. Synergy Group, 800-321-7963. That's 800-321-7963. 800-321-SYNERGY. Investment advisory services offered through Global Financial Private Capital, LLC. Securities offered through GF Investment Services, LLC. Member FINRA SIPC. Imagine your business being on the first page of a search engine like Google or at the top. What could that do for your bottom line? The answer is at Salem Surround. Digital marketing that surrounds your potential customers with your message wherever they engage, search, surf, socialize, or review. 
When they're on their computer, mobile phone, or tablet, your ad is there. When they attend a sporting event, conference, or concert, you're in front of them on their mobile device. When they walk into your competitor's store, your message entices them to visit you as well. Salem Surround takes the mystery of digital marketing off your shoulders, letting you run your business while we deliver customers. Now there are no limitations on where you can reach customers with Salem Surround. Total market penetration for increased ROI. Learn more by logging on to surroundpittsburgh.com. Surroundpittsburgh.com. Connecting you with new customers. The Original Mattress Factory's mission is simple. We hand-build quality mattresses in our local factories. We sell those mattresses directly to our customers so we can eliminate the middleman, saving you hundreds of dollars compared to mainstream brands. While the other guys have their gimmicks, the Original Mattress Factory has a straightforward approach and is committed to quality and doing what's best for our customers. It's what we've done for almost 30 years. Go to OriginalMattress.com to see the OMF difference for yourself. Great beds, no bull. That is the Original Mattress Factory difference. Quality products plus factory direct prices equals great value. Mattresses that are designed with better materials. Mattresses that are hand-built in local factories. Mattresses that cost hundreds less than the mainstream mattress brands. Now, I know what you're thinking. This all sounds too good to be true, right? Well, it isn't. Stop by one of our factory locations or visit us at OriginalMattress.com to see the OMF difference for yourself. The Original Mattress Factory. Thoughtfully made, honestly priced. Healthy pets, healthy people, focusing on a natural, holistic approach for human and animal wellness. Host Dr. Edmund Sokowski and his guests discuss various topics on health and wellness for us and our companion animals. Airs each Saturday, live from 9 to 10 in the morning on 1250 AM, The Answer. Giving you the opportunity to call in with your questions. A healthy pet is a happy pet and being healthy makes people happy. Tune in, listen, learn, be well. Most clubs you join require an initiation fee or a club membership, but not the AM 1250 Discount Shopping Club. No, in our club, you save as much as half. That's right, 50% on gift certificates and items from local restaurants, health services, and much more. All from the comfort of your computer or smartphone. Log on now to TheAnswerPGH.com slash shopping. And I'll see you at the club. Thank you. This is the John Steigerwald Show on AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The answer. So, um, we have a guest coming up in about, uh, well, after the bottom of the hour, we're going to talk about the worst or best, however you want to look at it, um, fake news items of 2018 with Amber Athey. She's uh, from the Daily Caller. We'll do that coming up in about 10 minutes. Um, in the meantime, if you want to uh, call in and comment on Antonio Brown or anything else, uh, i got some time here at uh, 844-302-1250. Give me a call. We will, uh, we will do that. Um, a couple, just one, a couple of other things. And, and if you're just tuning in as we start off this new year, uh, this, this show has been – it'll be six months we've been on the air I think on the 9th of January. I think we went on the 9th of July. And you will – I know that there are people out there who uh, connect me with sports and may not know that I do a sh- talk show where I talk about other stuff, but I do that here. But we're also not going to ignore sports here, and I, I, I'm i hoping that um, you know if you're listening to this, this station during the day and you're hearing a lot of political talk and that's what you expect when you tune in at 5 o'clock, you're going to get that. But uh, when there's a sports story that I think is uh, interesting, uh, big, controversial, and also especially the ones that maybe um, are, uh, I don't know, they're more than sports. They're more than an X and O story about uh, the sport. It might uh, be a cultural thing. Um, we will do that. And I think there's a lot of that in this story because um, I, I see things on Twitter where, well, first of all, you have Antonio Brown you know, referring to, um, Clark as an Uncle Tom, um, and R- Ryan Clark, who you heard in that soundbite a few minutes ago, referring to him as an Uncle Tom. Immediately, I, I I think that qualifies as playing the race card immediately. And uh, I saw some comments on Twitter that the criticism of of um, Tomlin and Brown is racially motivated. And I and I saw another a story. There there were um, eight. Coaches, I think it was that were fired. I don't have the 
right in front of me here. And I think five of them were black coaches. And, you know, that I, I would think, I would hope, and again, this is a sports story, but it's, it goes beyond sports because I, I would hope that we would we had reached, I thought we had reached, the point where a coach is hired and fired and you don't, the color of his skin has nothing to do with it. We had a game on Sunday where both coaches were black. Um, and Marvin Lewis is one of the coaches who's out of a job coaching the Bengals. He's been there for uh, way too long based on his um, lack of success in the playoffs. But he's a black coach and he's fired. And someone I saw somewhere, it's, it starts, it's started already that, you know, because five of the coaches were black, that they're bringing up, well, now we're going to be a shortage of minority coaches. How about we just hire coaches who are best qualified for the job and not worry about what color they are? Because, you know, for example, there was a time when two head coaches, two black head coaches in the NFL would have been a story facing each other. It's not. Or a black coach making it to the Super Bowl is no longer a story. It's too, it's too bad that it took so long for it not to be a story, but it's just not a story. But the problem is, if you're gonna if you're gonna reduce it to a racial issue, or try to turn it into a racial issue, if I'm a an owner of a team, and I'm a white guy who owns a team, and I see a black coach uh, who's applied for a job, and I I'm aware of him, and I'm thinking this guy, I, I'd like to have this guy coach my team. I think he's the best guy out there. I'm gonna hire him. But one there's one thing that might prevent me from hiring him. And that would be the fear of being able to fire him if he doesn't work out. Because when I fire him, I'm going to be accused of firing him because he's black. Look, if you're going to, if you are going to be uh, considered for the jobs, and it's a good thing that they are now. And there are a lot of really good black coaches there that we've seen that had success, including Mike Tomlin. Um, that and even Marvin Lewis, who's going to be, he's going to be out of a job now. But when he took over the Bengals, it was a mess, and he he turned into a respectable uh, franchise. Didn't win the games in the playoffs, and there's plenty of criticism, justified criticism. But he did a great job in doing what he was expected to do, which was turn the thing around, and he did that. But if you're going to you're going to have these coaches being fired, and 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 going to have to be subjected to people questioning whether they were fired because they were black. Then, then if you're a white owner, why would you hire a black coach? You can't if you if you know that sometime down the road, which happens with just about every coach in every sport, at some point they're going to be fired. Any coach at that level will tell you that that you know that they expect to be fired at some point. Most of them, um, you're going to be put in a position where you you can't fire the coach because you're afraid of the criticism you're going to get because he's black, or you can't fire him unless you hire another black coach. Let's just get to the point where we can forget about and not, and ignore what color they are and just hire them. You, know, you have the Rudy rule out there, which uh, requires teams to interview a minority candidate when a job opening comes up. Um, and they and, and everybody knows that there are many times when that's just a case of a team going through the motions to satisfy the Rooney rule. But even that sometimes is a good thing because it it exposes the minority candidate to the interview process. He may not get the job that's open right now, but he will have been given some idea of what the interview process is like, what the questions will be like, what the ownership, uh, what the owners expect. So, um, so I, I guess it's still a good thing that they have the Rooney Rule. It's going to help guys who might not get a chance um, be. You know, I, I, let's put it bluntly: the owners are going to be forced to bring them in and, and at least give them a look. And there's a good possibility that that's how Mike Tomlin got hired. I don't know that Dan Rooney at the time went out looking for a black, uh, not for a black coach, but for, for, for Mike Tomlin or expecting to hire. Uh, Mike Tomlin. I think he had other people in mind, and I think Mike Tomlin just blew him away on the uh, in the job interview. So, um, can we get past the point in uh, in sports where the coach? And the, the, let's just if, if, if you're going to hire a black coaches, let's hire them, and let's hire. But let's hire the most qualified people, no matter what color they are. But let's have them all play by the same rules. If you stink, you get fired. If you don't live up to the expectations of the person who hired you and who paid you the big money, you're fired. And you don't get the whine on your way out the door that you think you got fired because you're black 
or what, or for whatever reason, uh, a Hispanic or whatever you happen to be, uh, whatever minority you might be a part of, it's you know that that that's how it works. If you stink, you get fired. And there are a lot of coach. There were, the fact that there are five coaches out of work who are black should tell you something about the fact that it's not even a big story anymore when a black coach gets hired, and so it shouldn't be one when he gets fired either. And and if these coaches who have been fired, including the white guys, if they're replaced by a black coach, it won't even be that big of a story. It's 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 it's, it's stopped being a big story a long time ago. So you know maybe we ought to just keep it that way, but. You know, um, Antonio Brown throwing out the Uncle Tom because Ryan Clark, who, in case you didn't know, was a uh, a Steeler and was around and saw Antonio Brown as a young player and and recounted a story that he saw that supports what people are saying about Brown now, that he's immature, that he's all about himself. And Clark is saying that he saw it a long time ago and that this doesn't surprise him. So, uh, you know, the Steelers need to deal with it. And, you know, at, during this during this uh, discussion, as long as we're talking about sports, I'm going to take it right up to the bottom of the hour here. You can call at uh, uh, 844-302-1250. Um, if, it, I, I, I hear people stating matter-of-factly, and they do the same thing with Ben Roethlisberger, that Antonio Brown is the greatest wide receiver in Steelers history. And he's really good, and he's one of the top three. He's in there with Swan and Stallworth. But he's he doesn't do anything better than Swan or Stallworth did. And he doesn't even do anything better than Lewis Lips did. Uh, Lewis Lips was a great receiver for a couple of years. Uh, but, you know, it's it's you're, you're, you're considered an old fart if you say that the guys from 50 years ago, not 50, but 40 years ago, were better. But to me, it's just as wrong to say that, you know, the, the latest is the greatest. So I don't think he's better than those guys. And when you look at the numbers, he has 100 and whatever catches it is this year. But Ben Roethlisberger threw the ball 675 times. Terry Bradshaw would throw it 350. So if you're playing with a quarterback who's throwing it 675 times, maybe you ought to have 100 catches if you're any good. So it's a different game. So let's stop with that, that, you know, that he's the greatest receiver in Steelers history. Because also, what goes along with it is what kind of a teammate you were, how much you helped win championships, and he hasn't done that yet with any team. And and the difference in the in the people that, that come through the Steelers' offices now, not the offices, the locker room, I guess. Lynn Swan ran for governor of Pennsylvania, okay? You see any gubernatorial candidates on the Steelers roster these days? Um, John Stallworth, the other guy who's uh, ranked up there with with Brown, he is, at least as far as I know, the last time I looked, he was the CEO of a defense contracting company that employed 600 people, and he was the CEO. Do you see Antonio Brown doing that someday? So, um, you know, they're they're dealing with different... different, um, quality people coming through who are ready for the job and who are expected to act like adults but you know when you when you have players out there playing hide and seek after a touchdown and try and and group these these pretend group photos that they're doing now after an interception or something the entire defense poses can we stop with that can you picture uh, it only happens in football can you can you picture it happening in, in hockey uh, Sidney Crosby scoring a goal and you know having a game of hide and seek with with Evgeny Malkin and behind the the net after a power play goal. Um, you know, can you picture a Andrew McCutcheon hitting a home run for the Pirates a couple of years ago and then everybody comes out and they have a group picture at home plate and laughing and rolling around on the ground and having a great time. For some reason, it happens in football and there used to be coaches who would put a stop to it. And as I said at the beginning of the show, Mike Tomlin has to be one of those guys. He does. And if he doesn't, he should go. Because they got to change the culture. they got to do something if they want to cure the team of uh, problems like they're having with Antonio Brown. When we come back, the worst fake news stories, or maybe the best in 2018. 
With SRN News, I'm Keith Peters in Washington. President Trump says the partial government shutdown is worth the fight over funding for his proposed border wall. With the partial government shutdown closing in on two weeks, the president says he's prepared to do what it takes to win congressional approval of border wall funding. Could be a long time or it could be quickly. Could be a long time. It's, it's too important a subject to walk away from. He says the southern border is like a sieve and that the U.S. needs a physical barrier. Greg Clugston, Washington. After a meeting with congressional representatives, Congressman Kevin McCarthy says they got no counteroffer from the Democrats. That's why we moved legislation. That's why the vice president went to the Senate um, when we had the challenge just a couple weeks ago. No counteroffer came back. There was not a counteroffer today, and I hopefully Friday there will be. On Wall Street, the Dow by 18 points. This is SRN News. Hi, we're here with Alexander Green, four-time best-selling author and chief investment strategist of the Oxford Club. Alex is a stock-picking legend. He calls six of the best stocks of the past 20 years, including Apple, Intuitive Surgical, Netflix, Varian, Amazon, and Celgene. Now, Alex, I understand you're targeting a new stock. Yes, it's a cutting-edge tech company making blockbuster deals. I'm talking about $450 million with Nokia, $395 million with Microsoft, and a $29.2 billion deal with Apple. The company is set to create 50,000 new jobs right here in America, and Donald Trump himself even calls what they're doing the eighth wonder of the world. Yet you've likely never even heard of it because this $3 stock trades under a secret name. Alex just got on stage in front of a packed crowd to talk about this secret stock, and you can see his free presentation at OneStockRetirement.com. Don't wait on this. We expect the stock to make big national news on December 17th. Go to OneStockRetirement.com now. Dennis Prager can always expect one thing from the left. He feels that marriage equality is bad for straight couples. I've never said that in my life. You know how often things are made up about me by people on the left? Always. That's how often. That is the reason that they can be at peace with what they believe because they make up things that they oppose. The Dennis Prager Show, weekdays at noon, right before Michael Medved at 3 on AM 1250. The Answer. The average person considers estate planning just for the wealthy. Attorney Michelle Conti, host of Conti's Law on estate planning for the everyday person. There's a lot that goes into it. People take more time picking out what car they're going to buy, where they're going to go to dinner, as opposed to what happens to my children. The state will dictate who gets what if you don't indicate who is to receive your stuff upon your passing. We want to make sure we plan appropriately so that they get the best of both worlds. They continue to receive the benefit and they get the inheritance. The other thing you have to think about is tax planning. We try to be proactive in the approach that we minimize any type of tax consequence when somebody dies, depending on the value of the estate. These taxes range anywhere from four and a half to 40%. So we try to make sure that the beneficiary will receive as much as they legally are able to. Hear more on Conti's Law, Sunday morning at 830, here on The Answer. For immediate help, visit ContiLawPGH.com. The original Mattress Factory's mission is simple. We hand-build quality mattresses in our local factories. We sell those mattresses directly to our customers so we can eliminate the middleman, saving you hundreds of dollars compared to mainstream brands. While the other guys have their gimmicks, the original Mattress Factory has a straightforward approach and is committed to quality and doing what's best for our customers. It's what we've done for almost 30 years. Go to OriginalMattress.com to see the OMF difference for yourself. Great beds, no bull. That is the original Mattress Factory difference. Quality products plus factory direct prices equals great value. Mattresses that are designed with better materials. Mattresses that are hand-built in local factories. Mattresses that cost hundreds less than the mainstream mattress brands. Now I know what you're thinking. This all sounds too good to be true, right? Well, it isn't. Stop by one of our factory locations or visit us at OriginalMattress.com to see the OMF difference for yourself. The original Mattress Factory. Thoughtfully made, honestly priced. Stuck in traffic? We've got the answer. Shaping up as a busy Wednesday evening out there, especially outbound Parkway East Boulevard of the Allies to Edgewood Swissvale, inbound slow Edgewood Swissvale to the Squirrel Hill Tunnel, and Grant Street to the Fort Pitt Bridge. Parkway West, not really that bad. Main delay there is on the inbound side of 376 from Montour Run Road to 60. Now in Indiana Township, watch out for an accident. Gibsonia Road at Short Street. That's a look at traffic. I'm Jenny Robinson. AM 1250, the answer. Weather.
Cloudy skies for tonight with a brief shower to this evening, then a flurry around daybreak. The low tonight, 30 degrees. Tomorrow, clouds will break for some sunshine, high 39. Partly cloudy tomorrow night with a low of 27. Then for Friday, sunshine will be mixed with some clouds. It'll be turning milder again with a high of 46 degrees. I'm meteorologist Danielle Niddle on AM 1250, The Answer. Warning, listening to this program may expose you to toxic masculinity. The John Steigerwald Show on AM 1250, The Answer. Pretty soon we've had two years of Donald Trump as president, which means we've had two years with a lot of fake news. Amber Athey covers the media for the Daily Caller. She took the time to find the worst or best, depending on how you look at it, cases of fake news in 2018. She joins us now. Amber, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. So you gave yourself a tough job. You ended up with 32 examples here. Did you stop there because you ran out of examples, or are there just, you know, only 32 of them? (laughs) I actually had more examples that I could have included but I felt like it was a good point to stop the list um, because some of the other examples were things like tweets or oh, okay. um, posts on social media. And I really wanted to keep it to substantial uh, either articles or things said on cable news. But there were certainly no shortage of stories to pick from, um, which I'm sure most people watching the news throughout the year uh, could understand. Right. I Well, when I saw the headline, I thought you were going to have 10, and I kept... It kept going and going, and I didn't. <laughs> yeah, it's almost I, endless. <laughs> yeah, not that I disagree with any of them. So uh, you go one through thirty-two. Are are they listed in order of what you consider to be fakeness? No, they're not listed in any particular order. Okay. Um, and in fact, some of them uh, range from sort of sillier things, like the Boston Globe having to uh, correct just how Native American they believed Elizabeth Warren to be after she released her DNA test. The things that are much more serious, like CNN bungling a Trump Tower story, claiming that uh, Michael Cohen was prepared to tell Robert Mueller that Trump had advanced knowledge at that meeting, what, in fact, Michael Cohen's lawyer, Lanny Davis, later said that he was a source for that CNN story, but uh, indicated that it was no longer accurate. Um, So there are varying ranges of seriousness among these stories. They're not ranked in any particular order, but we should be concerned about any Um, type of news that turns out to be fake and seems to confirm the media's bias against this president. Was there a recurring theme among the 32 other than just fakeness? I mean, uh, uh, like the the worst, uh, Washington Post blames Border Patrol for the seven-year-old's death. That's that's a pretty pretty harsh one there. Exactly. So if 2017 was the year of Trump-Russia bombshells that turned out not to be true, I think 2018 was the year of fake reporting about Brett Kavanaugh and the U.S. border. Um, the one that you mentioned about blaming Border Patrol for migrant deaths is a great example. In terms of the Kavanaugh reporting, there were a number of false stories, including a CNN reporter um, falsely claiming that Montgomery County investigators were looking into an additional claim against Kavanaugh to CNN in the Hill running a claim of sexual assault against Kavanaugh that had already been retracted by the time they were airing their report. Um, And that entire news cycle was basically an exercise in trying to combat a bunch of misreporting and misleading uh, things about uh, that Supreme Court nominee. Yeah, you know, a story like the the seven-year-old who dies uh, after she is, uh, was it he or she? I forget now, sorry. Um. There, were, there was a boy and a girl. Yeah, the actually. most recent one was a boy. Yeah, the first one was right. a girl. Um, but anyway, this seems like such common sense to the, 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 the nature of the illness that caused their death is not something that would occur, uh, you know, in, in 24 hours. It would be something that existed before she was, he or she was taken into custody and taken under the care of the Border Patrol. And it seems like the media would be a common sense thing not to blame it on the people who picked her, him and her up and tried to give them treatment. Exactly. That's what you would think. And a common sense individual reads the Washington Post headline that says this girl died while in Border Patrol custody. And then you read the facts of the story and find out that she was only in Border Patrol custody for eight hours, yet she died of apparent dehydration uh, and septic shock. And 
any normal rational person would say, well, clearly she didn't develop those symptoms solely while in Border Patrol custody. So what actually caused her death? And signs point to it being the dangerous track to the border. Uh, but it seems that reporters nowadays are more interested in creating this anti-Trump administration narrative that they either ignore or downplay basic facts that tell the real story. I, uh, and you work in the media, so you know this, and I've I've only been doing it since the mid-20th uh, century. I, I um, You can't do a very good job of reporting if you are um, com- accursed with wishful thinking, which is which exactly. seems to be what, what keeps popping up. In all of your examples, almost all of them, there, there's an element of wishful thinking is that, boy, this, would be, this is a great story because it, it really uh, tells the narrative that, that we want to tell, and uh, this is a great story. Let's go with it. Exactly. The media um, has really uh, done a lot of so-called reporting that starts with a conclusion and then uses sort of cherry-picked facts and quotes to back up that narrative that they've already decided is true, whereas good reporting starts with the facts and then reaches a conclusion. Uh, and the what makes that even more clear is the fact that all of these fake news examples go in one direction. They are all negative about the Trump administration, about Republicans, um, about conservatives, and none of them are a result of people wanting to create good reports about Republicans, for example, and then finding out that that's not the truth. They all go against uh, the right wing. We're talking to Amber Athey. She covers the media for the Daily Caller. And um, the problem also is, the big problem is, is that egregious errors are made. And, I mean, it's always been the case with the media. You know, you're accused of something on page one, and then the retraction comes on page 14. But it seems to happen a lot with this is that they, they, there are mistakes exposed and then they go with it anyway. They continue to not, not even, not so much retracting it. They, they, they double, they double down on it. Exactly. Look at uh, one example on my list, which is the Washington Post running a, a story about George Sean Prep and Brett Kavanaugh, but they already were told was not true. This reporter uh, was looking to publish a story claiming that Georgetown Prep was hiring a new employee um, intended to deal with the fallout from the Kavanaugh hearing. She was told in an email by a spokesperson from Georgetown Prep that they were hiring for that position before uh, the Kavanaugh hearings even started. And she completely ignored that email and still ran the same headline claiming that they were dealing with fallout. And she didn't correct the story until after the spokesperson reached out to her again. And there are a number of other stories on that list that went uncorrected, such as CNN and MSNBC claiming that Republicans funded the dossier. Um, the, there are so many cases where either the corrections go unnoticed, they're barely covered, or the correction doesn't come at all. And um, you work covering the media. Do you... Uh call these people and ask them about this? Do they do they take your calls? Do they admit to their mistakes? Do they hide from you? What what what's your deal trying to you know <laughs> Usually usually I don't get a response. I do reach out to these people. I try to understand why they make the mistakes that they do. I try to get them to correct pieces that I find out are not accurate and I'm often met with silence um, on the story about NBC News, for example, running with a misquote of uh, Republican Senator Bill Cassidy that claimed he was attacking Trump. Um, I have a whole lot of evidence, including internal documents from NBC News that show that they were misquoting him. And yet I got no response from them. And uh, by the time I published the article, spokespeople for Bill Cassidy were still trying to get them to publish the full quote of what he said. Um, so there really is no effort to correct their mistakes. Um, the problem is these legacy media organizations are so large and so powerful and in some cases have such a monopoly on the industry that they think they can get away with um, all of these things that they do. And so my job is just to try to call them out as much as possible publicly um, in the hopes that they'll eventually change their ways. So give me a, an idea of uh, what your daily, uh, what your day is like. 
I mean, do you come to work and start going through the internet and uh, finding mistakes, or do you do you have to record CNN, MSNBC, and Fox, and NBC, ABC, CBS News, PBS, all the stuff out there? Just or do they kind of just fall in your lap? <laughs> it, it's a bit of both. I watch a lot of CNN and MSNBC throughout the day, uh, watching that live and listening to what people are saying, listening to what the predominant narrative is of the day and trying to figure out if that's an accurate narrative. Um, I get tips from readers um, and from uh, various people working in politics. And I, of course, monitor social media all day. So it's a multifaceted job of looking at the media, reading corrections on the New York Times and Washington Post, um, and just trying to be alerted to everything that's being published. Are you um, surprised, chagrined? Uh, by what you find, or you've gotten used to it, uh, or you're sometimes amazed at how much of it is out there? I think I'm a bit jaded at this point. Uh, when I first started, I was often very surprised by the number of errors that the establishment media made. But at this point, it's not surprising to me at all. Um, I think in many ways, uh, Trump's presidency has exposed a lot of journalists for who they truly are, which is really just activists of the Democratic Party posing as truth seekers. Um, and every time that one of them exposes their bias, uh, it's not surprising at all. We're talking to Amber Athey of The Daily Caller. She covers the media for them. Now, obviously, Amber, The uh, Daily Caller is a conservative-leaning um, publication, website. Um, what about Fox? Do you find them doing the same things uh, in favor of Trump? Sure. Fox certainly has their own conservative bent. Um, the Daily Caller, obviously, is a conservative publication, as you mentioned. Yeah. Um, but but keep in mind that if we were to ever make any of the similar errors that the mainstream media made in terms of inaccurate reporting, we would be slammed um, by cable news networks, by establishment reporters. And yet the establishment media holds itself to different standards where their errors go unnoticed, uh, uncorrected, ignored by their fellow journalists. And I think it really does a disservice to the American people when we um, hold different news outlets to different standards. Well, when, you know, uh, if something, uh, a publication like the Daily Caller, uh, those other media outlets that you cover and keep your eye on, they all you need is one, one gigantic mistake like some of the ones you've pointed out, and that would be justification for dismissing the Daily Caller forever as a right-wing... Hey. You know, rag or whatever they want to call it. Yeah, you're exactly right. Um, Any time that the Daily Caller publishes anything that the establishment media doesn't like, even if it's truthful, if they see it as you know helping conservatives or Republicans by nature of the facts pointing that way, then they dismiss our reporting. They dismiss our reporters as being hacked, <clears throat> uh, and the cases on the other side are so. Uh, just so disgustingly worse than anything I've seen from conservative media that it's really unbelievable um, the, the, the disparate treatment that the two sides get. And, you know, it's funny. Uh, when I'm on Twitter, maybe having a little battle with somebody on, on Twitter, and I will link to a Daily Caller piece, um, if it's a liberal, they'll just automatically dismiss it. Oh, Daily Caller. It's, it's a conservative that nothing that you find in the Daily Caller could possibly be true, but you don't find that being said about CNN and uh, MSNBC uh, based on their left-leaning uh, philosophy. It's just it's always seems to be the right-wing um, publications are the ones that are dismissed. Right, and it's a convenient attack line for leftists because they don't have to grapple with the facts of the story or the sourcing if they can just dismiss the outlet outright. So that's what they do in order to counter reporting that they don't like. They attack the outlet, um, claim that it's not trustworthy. Instead of looking at the sourcing and um, the facts behind a story, it's just easier to dismiss it out of hand. Well, you do this uh, every day, so and you, you took the time and the effort to, um, to compile this list. Who's the worst? <laughs> well, I think if you scroll through the list, the most examples on there are from CNN. Mm-hmm. And, and Although, to, to be fair, CNN is one of the more high-profile outlets, so um, I'm sure they do get more scrutiny than some others, but I think CNN and, and maybe NBC in a close second and, were the worst of the year. And how much of it 
would be do you attribute to incompetence and and how much of it to just pure bias? I want to believe that some of it is incompetence um, because it's hard to think that people who fancy themselves truth seekers um, would be intentionally mucking up stories this badly. But these are supposed to be intelligent people. They went to, you know, really high-profile colleges. They worked in journalism for a really long time. It's hard to believe that people of that caliber are unintentionally making such egregious mistakes that uh, I think at least some of it has to be attributed to bias. Well, some of it's just something else because, I mean, Al Sharpton spelled respect wrong So when, <laughs> when Aretha Franklin died. I mean... Uh, right. <laughs> I mean, that's just beyond belief when you see that. Imagine if uh, Fox had done that or if the Daily Caller had made that mistake, um, the the fun that everybody else would have had with that. And I, oh, I know sure. a lot of people it, had fun with that one. but Yeah, I mean, it would have been a, a one, two-day news cycle if, if a conservative outlet had done that. Well, Amber, keep up uh, the good work and uh, keep your eye on those people. And I, I read your stuff all the time because you uh, you keep me up to date on who's doing what over there. So I appreciate it, and I appreciate you being on the show. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Okay, see you later. And we will be right back. The Original Mattress Factory's mission is simple. We hand-build quality mattresses in our local factories. We sell those mattresses directly to our customers so we can eliminate the middleman, saving you hundreds of dollars compared to mainstream brands. While the other guys have their gimmicks, the Original Mattress Factory has a straightforward approach and is committed to quality and doing what's best for our customers. It's what we've done for almost 30 years. Go to OriginalMattress.com to see the OMF difference for yourself. Great beds, no bull. That is the Original Mattress Factory difference. Quality products plus factory direct prices equals great value. Mattresses that are designed with better materials. Mattresses that are hand-built in local factories. Mattresses that cost hundreds less than the mainstream mattress brands. Now, I know what you're thinking. This all sounds too good to be true, right? Well, it isn't. Stop by one of our factory locations or visit us at OriginalMattress.com to see the OMF difference for yourself. The Original Mattress Factory. Thoughtfully made honestly priced. This is Chris Abernethy of Abernethy and Hagerman. You don't want the government deciding what happens to your estate or how much they will take. At Abernethy and Hagerman, estate administration is the heart and soul of our practice. We have the experience to help not only plan, but administer your estate properly to protect your assets, minimize taxes, and ensure that your inheritance gets to the ones you love. Decide for yourself. Abernethy and Hagerman. Legal help that lasts a lifetime. Visit a-h.law. At the CMA Foundation, we believe every child should have the access and opportunity to participate in quality music programs. Music education isn't just important if you're going to make it your career. It helps boost student engagement and achievement across all academic subjects and helps children develop the abilities that set them up for lifelong success. Music has always been a huge part of my life. When I started taking clarinet lessons in sixth grade band, a whole world was open to me. I learned how to read music and play multiple instruments. From there, I sang in choir and learned about melodies and harmonies and chords and how to string them together to make this beautiful thing called music. The music education that I received as a student set me up for success as an adult, not just in my career, but in my life. Music is transformative, and I want to ensure that it's never silenced. Learn how you can help support music education at itstartswithme.org. Losing business to online companies? Competitors using social media to rob you of sales? Is your current website five years behind the times or even one? Contact us at Salem Surround. Digital marketing that surrounds potential customers with your message wherever they engage, search, surf, socialize, or review. We offer a free analysis of your digital marketing effectiveness and suggest methods that could dramatically increase bottom line. Salem Surround takes the mystery of digital marketing off your shoulders, letting you do what you do best, run your business, while we deliver customers. Is your business taking full advantage of digital communication to reach more people? Are your competitors ahead of you? Now there are no limitations on where you can reach customers with Salem Surround. Total market penetration for increased ROI. Learn more by logging on to surroundpittsburgh.com. Surroundpittsburgh.com. Connecting you 
with new customers. Healthy pets, healthy people, focusing on a natural, holistic approach for human and animal wellness. Host Dr. Edmund Sokowski and his guests discuss various topics on health and wellness for us and our companion animals. Airs each Saturday, live from 9 to 10 in the morning on 12.50 a.m. The Answer, giving you the opportunity to call in with your questions. A healthy pet is a happy pet, and being healthy makes people happy. Tune in, listen, learn, be well. The John Steigerwall Show, AM 1250, The Answer. Mitt Romney's back. Yes, he goes into the Senate tomorrow and uh, starts his um, six-year term. He was elected to in November, and he uh, is not making a lot of Republicans happy. He, he wrote a uh, an op-ed for the Washington Post in which he said, To a great degree, a presidency shapes the public character of the nation. Um, with the nation so divided, resentful, and angry, presidential leadership and qualities of character is indispensable and is in this province where the incumbent's shortfall has been most glaring. It's a long and poor way of saying that he doesn't like Trump's character. But um, So what the, the Republican National Committee chairwoman, Ronna McDaniel, she said this about Romney uh, today. She said um, – Called him out on Twitter for being, quote, disappointing and unproductive. She says, POTUS is attacked and obstructed by the MSM, that's mainstream media, and Democrats 24-7 for an incoming Republican freshman senator to attack Donald Trump as their first act feeds into what the Democrats and media want and is disappointing and unproductive. So she was, she just ripped into him. And... um that's just this guy starting in the Senate tomorrow. Now, the one interesting thing about uh, this Ronna McDaniel who ripped into to Mitt Romney, she's his niece. That's Uncle Mitt up there. <laughs> she doesn't like him. Well, she doesn't like him. She probably likes him. She doesn't like what he did. And uh, Rand Paul came out and call, uh, accused him of virtue signaling, saying that, you know, I'm this guy isn't uh, great, but, you know, I am. I have all kinds of character. And Mitt Romney should just go away. I, I actually didn't have a big problem with him when he ran. I mean, I would have, I would, I did vote for him, but I would prefer him to Barack Obama anytime, but or to uh, Hillary Clinton, and if it would have been the next election. But um, he's back in the Senate, and maybe he's going to be, I don't know, getting ready to challenge Donald Trump in 2020. But I thought it was kind of funny, Ronna McDaniel, the uh, Republican National National Committee Chairwoman rips into him for his op-ed and she's his niece. We'll see you tomorrow. The John Steigerwald Show is a production of AM 1250 The Answer and Salem Media Group. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.